Hello and welcome back to the Wobbuccino podcast. This is your host, Lily Heenan. Thank you so much for tuning in today and listening to another episode. Today, I'm going to be speaking about the reason why you or other people can keep attracting toxic romantic relationships in their life. Obviously, unconsciously, so we aren't necessarily aware of the cycle and the pattern and why it keeps happening. So I'm going to dive deep into this topic because you guys have asked me to do kind of topics of toxic relationship cycles and attracting certain people and relationships into our life. So I did, I've talked about friendship sometimes, but when it comes back to romantic and love and connection and validation from romantic partners, it's kind of a different it's a similar concept, but also very different. So I will get into that. But obviously, I'm going to do the quote of the week and gratitude. Also, I know I said this a few episodes ago that I was recording, like actually videoing it, but I'm now actually videoing it off my phone. So I have better quality and it doesn't look as tacky. So I can make reels and stuff from it. So this is, again, another environment in which I'm recording myself. It feels a little bit different. I have Winston next to me while I'm recording this. And, yeah, this is the first time I've really kind of done this properly. Like I said, I did a, recorded myself on my computer last time, but it didn't really work. Like it isn't the best of quality and the way that it comes out in terms of the form just wasn't the best at all. So that is what I'm currently doing at the moment. If you see my reels and do you see my background let me know what you think of it and yeah so the quote of the week is you're born looking like your mom or dad or both but you die looking like your decisions your life is a result of the decisions you make not what you're born with and I saw this off a Instagram page that I'm following and I just really liked it because it was a nice little reminder because I think a lot of people you know, the more we learn about genes and stuff, the more we learn that we actually have so much more power over our genes. I know a lot of people like to blame genes for their current circumstances, but that quote kind of ties back to we actually have so much more power over our genes than you think and your decisions ultimately impact your current reality and you die looking like the work that you put in with yourself and the decisions you made. So yeah, I really like that. That quote's not on topic, but I thought it was a good little reminder and a good little push if you are someone who is, I don't know, living in the victim mindset and is blaming your family's genes on maybe things like your weight or your health or your mental health. I just want you to know that there is so much more power. You have so much more power than you think and the decisions you make ultimately can turn on and off those genes that create a reality. Hope that made sense. Obviously, I'm going to do gratitude. Make sure you pause this after I do it and reflect on three things that have gone well for you or three things that you're grateful for. So on my way back from the gym this morning, I saw there was probably like 15 kids. They were probably like two years old and they had fluoro vests on and they were exploring the area that I was in. I was in the Pram Square area. And they all had these little high-vis vests on and they were walking with their, I guess, kinder, kindergarten teachers. 
and they looked so fucking cute and it put the biggest smile on my face. I'm just grateful that I got to saw that. see that. I The second thing that I'm grateful for is that it is a long weekend this weekend. We have Monday off, so I'm looking forward to either using that as a rest day or a catch-up day or having the opportunity to work. Not actually sure what I'm doing yet, but either way is going to be good because I'll be able to catch up on uni or I'll be able to work. I'm still waiting on my client to let me know. But obviously public holiday rates, so either or either, I'm happy and grateful that it is a long weekend. And the third thing that I'm grateful for is, I was saying this to my friend yesterday, that because she asked me what I'm grateful for yesterday, it was so cute, and then I said it back, and this is what I was grateful for, and I just had to repeat it. The third thing that I'm grateful for is I'm grateful for, I don't know if you guys have heard of him, but his name is Dr. Andrew Huberman. He's a neuroscientist and professor. He has a podcast and he does a lot of work in psychology and he shares all these tools that can help us with our pretty much our whole well-being, our mental health, our physical health, obviously, and shares all these tips and tricks. Anyway, I absolutely love him. I'm obsessed with him. He's just done an episode recently. Like I don't know if you guys know much about filtered water. So I don't really know much about it. I've always seen people talk about it. I know that you're either there's either people that are fully against the thought of filtered water and say, you know, you guys are fucking not there to think that we should be filtering our water. And then there's people that are obviously all for it as trying to educate people that we should be filtering our water for all these reasons. I've always definitely skewed towards so why the fuck would we need to filter our water but as I learn more I'm in the middle now and I'm slowly leaning towards the filter water side because like I follow a lot of people that talk about it and filter their water right and then Dr. Andrew Huberman has just done a podcast recently and he said that it's a topic that is spoken about a lot and he said he's not a conspiracy theorist or controversial or whatever he said he just spent months and months looking at the literature, diving into the research on whether or not we should have filtered water or not and what's the whole purpose of filtering our water. Anyway, he pretty much said that he filters his water and that we should be filtering our water, especially our drinking water. A lot of the claims, like people say that it's just in America, but Dr. Emmerman was saying that it is actually around the whole world that we need to be filtering our water. And I think a lot of people get confused as to why we'd be wanting to filter our water. And he said that ultimately the government puts things in our water to filter it out from things like sewage, right? So they're, they're trying to give us clean water. That's, that's what they're trying to do. But the things that they put in the water to keep it clean from the sewage is actually filled with other chemicals that have been linked to all of these health issues and these autoimmune diseases and their hormonal disruptors and there's all this research showing the toxins found in the water that we drink obviously it's not intentional but it is found in there and he said regardless of where you live you should be filtering your water because that's what's going on in our drinking water and anyway I just had to show you that because I was grateful for that because I said I am genuinely grateful for the fact that we have a someone like him to give us the resources like that he has millions and millions of listeners and the fact that he said that when it's quite a controversial topic and has 
done that episode with all of his research and he's a very trusted person that the influence that Dr. Andrew Huberman now has on millions and millions of people educating people on why we need filtered water. I said, I'm just so fucking grateful that I live in this generation now that is so open-minded. Like if I think back to my parents and grandparents, like a lot of that generation is so closed-minded. If you went and said to them, we need to be filtering our water, I guarantee you they would think that you are losing the plot. So that's what I'm grateful for that I live in a very open-minded generation and we have people like Dr. Huberman jumping on these podcast platforms and sharing all of his knowledge and all of these resources for free. Anyway, that was super fucking long. Let's get into today's episode. The reason why you keep attracting toxic romantic relationships into your life. So Do you often find yourself saying, oh, for fuck's sakes, why am I always ending up in these toxic cycles with these toxic guys or girls with these duds and you're not really sure why it keeps happening or maybe you even have a friend that you can see that there's this ongoing cycle of them always ending up with toxic guys or maybe they're even the toxic one. So I'm going to talk about that today. Now, this whole topic and cycle is highly related to the fact that we as human beings are attracted to partners and relationships that recreate the childhood experience we saw and received as love and connection. So what was displayed to us as love and connection. So it all comes back to that. So I want you to ask yourself right now, what was the relationship with your dad and your mom? What was the relationship like that was modeled to you as love? Was it quite loving. There was lots of communication involved, lots of hugging, lots of expressing our feelings. Or was it the complete opposite? Pulling away, there was no sort of affection at all. There was no connection in the household. Feelings weren't spoken about. What was modeled to you as love from your parents? We unconsciously are more drawn to recreate feelings of familiarity, even if it's not safe or healthy, because deep down, We have a wound and a belief about what love looks like, what connection feels like, and what we deserve from a romantic partner. And this is probably why you find yourself choosing and attracting toxic people into your life romantically, because it probably comes down to the fact that what you witnessed as love growing up is what you unconsciously are attracted to because that is your version of love and that is all you know to be is love because while it feels so wrong, it feels so right. Okay, let's still maybe a little bit unclear on what I'm trying to say here. I'll give you an example. So let's just say your dad left when you were young. You have no memories of him telling you that he loves you. He displayed no affection or emotion and he expressed anger in a really unhealthy way, you may have felt like you had to earn your dad's love. Now, you may now find yourself with men who ghost you, cannot express how they feel, they're emotionally unavailable, only express their love for you when you are trying to leave them and become emotionally and physically abusive when triggered or completely run from their emotions and don't speak to you for a few days. We fall for these types of people who are emotionally unavailable because of our childhood wounds around feeling heard, seen, loved, validated, and understood. Another example could be that your mum brought home a different guy every weekend 
and your mum and dad were very much still together. And even though the relationship was quite tense, there was a lot of arguments as a result of your mum doing this. Your dad may have put up with it. And now you find yourself maybe jumping from partner to partner and you don't know why. This, so I actually have another story to extend this, kind of cut off, but it just came to mind. So an example of putting a childhood wound with your modelled love to your current romantic relationships is I was with someone one night and we, we got chatting and we were speaking about, let's call this person Greg. I was speaking to Greg and he was saying, like we were speaking about the fact that, you know, he's not obviously in a relationship with anyone. He's not speaking to anyone anymore. He's attracted to females and had only like really been, he'd never really been in a serious relationship, but casually seen these girls. Anyway, he was saying that he, for some reason, doesn't know why when it gets to the three month mark, he pulls back and cuts them off. And he said that that is a constant cycle and he doesn't really know why. And I was like, tell me about your childhood. What was your relationship like with your mom and dad? He said, you know, they're divorced and his dad always projected onto him and said that women are bad. Women are just out to get men's money. Women will leave you once they get your money. All of these things that were projected onto him as a child from his dad. He then was like, oh my God. I've just said that aloud, but I've never actually put two and two together as why I get so scared and I run from these relationships at that three-month mark because my dad projected these beliefs onto me as a child and I have taken that wound on with me and that is my belief about women. That's why I can never stick to a committed relationship and I never make it past that three-month mark with a female. And yeah, that's kind of what happens when obviously our parents model these things and they ingrain these beliefs onto us obviously most of the time it's not intentional but this is what happens and it shows up in our romantic relationships the reason why you keep attracting these toxic cycles or the reason why your friend keeps attracting these toxic cycles is because you or they are attracted to partners who behave in a way that confirms your inner wound that you are unlovable and that love isn't safe and that love has more lows than highs and that love feels so intense but in a toxic way. But obviously it's hard to put that together, right? Like it's not like you're sitting there and you're in this cycle and you go, right, I am this way because of my childhood. I feel like a lot of people don't come to those realizations and they're unless they listen to someone like me unpacking this or a psychologist or a healer or someone going through their own journey of healing their inner child and that's where they put two and two together and then they come to terms with oh my god that is actually my reality right now and that is what is happening in my life with these relationship cycles the beliefs we have about ourselves and the world come from childhood and the beliefs we have inform our behaviors and choices so let's have a look at some of the beliefs you may hold on to but are unconscious. So the first one here is you choose men or women who are abusive or don't treat you well. 
This is most likely from a belief that you are unlovable, that you are not worthy, that you're not good enough, or you are completely worthless. Second example is that you are attracted to men or women who are selfish and are only interested in themselves. So this is likely because you have a belief that you're not interesting enough and you don't have anything worthwhile to say, you're not smart enough, and you're ultimately boring. That's the belief that you probably have deep down. Another example is that you keep choosing men or women who don't prioritize you or the relationship. You always end up with people who are put you and the relationship second. This is probably stemmed from a belief that you don't matter, your needs don't matter, your time isn't important, you're a burden, and yeah, your, your needs don't matter. Another example is you are choosing men or women that are emotionally unavailable. This belief probably stems from that you have to work hard for their love and attention. You have to earn it. You have to chase it. You just have this belief deep down that love is hard to get and that it's not easy and it is inconsistent. The next one I have here is you are choosing men or women who criticize you and always put you down. They're always trying to change you and they don't accept you for who you are. It's most likely that you have a belief that there's something wrong with you. You don't deserve things. You aren't lovable and you're not good enough. The last one I have here is you keep choosing men or women who are inconsistent with their connection with you. You most likely have a belief that love isn't trustworthy, the person that I love disappears, and you most likely believe that love isn't stable, and you are attached to the fact that you believe you aren't good enough and you are not worthy of love. Okay, well, how do I overcome these beliefs and these wounds? My biggest tip for overcoming these cycles are it is important to let go of the idea that you can't change people, you can't change this person, and that people only change for themselves and never for you. You can't control other people as hard as it is. My other tip for overcoming this is you need to put in the work to work on yourself and change your beliefs, become aware of them, challenge them, because you can break up with these people. You can stop being in relationships. You can stop, I guess, being attracted to these people or you can set boundaries with yourself that stops you finding yourself in these situations. But if you don't put in the work to work on yourself, you'll always find yourself back in these unhealthy situations again because you didn't change. And there is always two people in a relationship. The last one is start teaching yourself what healthy love actually is Learn how to communicate, set boundaries, regulate your emotions, triggers, and work on your insecurities. I think they're so important. And it's important to remember that it won't always come to you, the memories of your childhood. So maybe you do find yourself with some of these beliefs and these wounds and you can't really put two and two together and you believe that it's not coming from childhood. I think it's important to note that memories of your childhood obviously won't always come to you and sometimes they can take longer to recognize and remember. 
I'll tell you about a time I had a massive realization with myself. When me and my boyfriend, Mars, moved to Melbourne, I think two years ago, we were living in an apartment and I was home a lot because I was doing full-time uni and it would get to like when he'd come home and like I knew the time that he'd come home and I'd look at the clock or either I'd look at the clock and realize that he was going to be home soon or he'd call me and let me know he was coming home or he'd get in the door and I automatically, my nervous system went into this complete anxious state and shut down and I just started, I would, I would clean and I'd try and cook dinner quickly and I'd try and get all these things done and be productive. I had no idea why because he's not, he's not the type of person to come home as a partner and be like, why isn't this clean? Like he is not fussy with that stuff at all. I definitely am, but he's not. Well, why isn't dinner cooked? We actually cook separately most of the time anyway. Like he's not that person, but I found myself in this cycle. I was like, why is it when I know that when my boyfriend's coming home, I go into this state of I need to be productive, otherwise he's going to crack it at me, which has never, ever happened before in our relationship. And then I realized that when I was a child and if someone came home from work and, you know, my parents love my parents and I don't ever want to disrespect them if I ever speak about my childhood, but my dad, like, very hardworking man, he has his own business. It's very stressful for him. And, you know, obviously he's gone through a lot of trauma, like with my mom and divorce and everything that's happened in his life. And on top of running a very stressful business and having three children, he would come home. And if he wasn't in a good mood and he was stressed, you would know about it. And if things weren't done around the house, you would also know about it. Like just, he was very angry and very stressed and would take that stress and anger out on us he didn't like obviously never meant it and love him and he always did the best that he could but that's where that pattern for me living with my boyfriend stemmed from because I was scared that when he would get home and if things weren't done or things weren't quote-unquote I wasn't being productive I would get yelled at or someone's mood would change or I wasn't worthy of someone's time and attention do you know what I mean like so that's where my wound stemmed from and I've worked on that and I don't do that anymore because with a lot of work and reflection on myself I know that that's not that's not normal or healthy thing to happen and yeah so that's kind of where I put two and two together with myself This is what the healing journey and working through childhood trauma is all about. You have to put in the work to clean up your toxic cycles, your wounds, your beliefs, your insecurities. You've just got to work on yourself because everything shows up in your relationships, your friendships, your work, the relationship you have with yourself of the things that we have taken on from childhood and the wounds and beliefs that were put on us as children unconsciously. So it's never done in like a malicious way by our parents. And we have to think that everything that our parents projected onto us, you know, maybe they were emotionally unavailable or, you know, they did things that I guess you wish they didn't. You have to remember, I often try and tell myself that this is our first shot at doing life as well. And they only know what they know. So maybe you had a 
had a dad who was very angry and very stressed and didn't express any emotion and only gave you love when you were productive in the house. Maybe that's just what that was how he was raised when he was a kid. They only know what they know. And it's I think that's why I'm so grateful to be in this generation because with all the knowledge and information that we have, we have the power to break these generational cycles and to heal our inner child and generational trauma and work on becoming more conscious of our behaviors and our beliefs and the patterns that are in our life. And obviously your healing journey requires you to unlearn all of the things that you have learned and that have been conditioned and put onto you. Another example of me on unlearning something that I thought was love is hugs. My parents divorced. They didn't have the best of relationship. Both loved them so much. They didn't have the best of relationship. Only memories I really have of my parents is them fighting a lot and them not enjoying being around each other and I never saw them hug and I never saw them kiss and there was none of that so me not seeing that was what I saw as love right so I didn't see hug from my parents I didn't see them hugging each other so I didn't put two and two as a child and put hugs as a form of love and connection so something that I've taken from that in my childhood now is I really struggle with hugs with my boyfriend like I have gotten better. I'm still not the greatest, but that is something that I struggle with because I never had that modeled to me as a child. Even like my friends and family, like I am, haven't been the best hugger. I'm working on it. It is a ongoing thing. I have gotten a lot better at it, but yeah, being in a relationship with my boyfriend, he obviously is a hugger and it's something that we kind of, I guess, not, uh, well, yeah, argue about a lot because I could go our whole relationship without hugs. Probably, you know, that's actually quite a big statement. Probably not, but you know what I'm trying to say? Like that was modeled to me in childhood that with the whole hugging and that I never saw it, therefore I didn't connect it or view it as important or as love. So I have not really been a hugger in my relationship. Another example of childhood and connecting two and two and the beliefs and the wounds. So I remember when I was little, my, it was probably maybe a year or two before my parents divorced. We took a family photo. None of us wanted the photo. We all obviously looked very happy in it at the time. Everyone was grumpy. No one wanted the photo. I think even my parents were I think they obviously wanted a photo of all of us together, but it was just almost like such an effort to try and get a family photo with everyone, including them. We took this photo. Mum and dad weren't happy in their relationship at the time. None of us kids were happy. It was kind of just not a very good time. And that photo, you would not have been able to picture that because we're all smiling and we're all close and we all look like a big happy family, but that wasn't the case. You don't know what's going on behind closed doors. Anyway, someone, one of my parents posted the photo on Facebook and obviously, you know, everyone's like, oh my God, gorgeous family, you all look so well and all this and that. And at the time, my parents weren't in a good spot in their relationship and the photo was posted. And I remember thinking to myself, why was that posted? Why are we putting a photo on social media that did not display the 
truth behind what was going on at real times. There was one time, I didn't really think anything of it ever again. There was one time where me and my boyfriend were fighting a few years ago and we were in the middle of a really bad argument. We weren't really speaking. And I went to go post a front office on social media. And I remember thinking, why the fuck would you, po- you're about to post a picture that like people are going to look at that and go, Lily and Murray, they look so happy. But realistically, we were fighting. And I just think that was another thing to put two and two together. I think that I had done that in the past, had definitely posted photos of us, even though, I don't know, something was going on behind closed doors. And even my friends, like I know that some people have even been on the verge to breaking up with their partners and they're, they're not in love with them anymore or they're, they've literally just had the biggest fight and then they go and post these photos on social media and they're like, I love this. Per-. Like I understand that, you know, they, they do love them and, well, some of them, and then they go and post these pictures and it looks like they're in this, this happy relationship, but they're fighting behind closed doors. But anyway, what I'm saying is that was another thing that was tied to my childhood that I had to kind of become conscious of and unlearn that no Lily it is not healthy to post a picture on Instagram when that does not reflect the true circumstances of what is actually going on behind closed doors social media doesn't portray what is actually going on in our lives and it's a highlight reel I just thought that that was really interesting to add because I don't know if any of you guys do or if you know anyone that does it when they post a photo with their families or their boyfriend or girlfriend and behind the scenes it is not some happy relationship or family like they're portraying it to be on social media. So I just thought that that was really important to add because it kind of ties into the childhood wounds and beliefs that we often don't connect, but it is tied. So I don't know if any of you do that. And maybe it's because that's what happened in your family. Like when your mom and dad were fighting, they were still portraying to be this happy, loving family online. I don't know. Maybe try and connect the dots. But yeah, none of this is your fault. None of this is your parents' fault. None of this is your grandparents' fault. Even though it's a cycle, we just create what we know to be safe and what we believe is love, even if it isn't. Because we are attracted to what was modeled to us as children with the relationship that we saw that our parents have. So if that was our parents always fighting, maybe you're in a relationship now or you're attracted to people where you get excited and you feel loved and you feel validated when you guys are fighting. Maybe you had a dad that left you when you were younger and now you're with a guy or attracted to guys who are emotionally unavailable and ghost you and run from their problems and run from expressing their love for you. You just got to try and put two and two together. Like I said, to overcome this and break the cycles, you need to let go of the idea that you can change the person that you're attracted to or who you're with because we can't change people. They only change for themselves. You need to put in the work to do healing, childhood healing, become aware of your patterns. Awareness is always the first step to healing and breaking these patterns because how are you going to break a cycle like this? How are you going to break being attracted to toxic romantic relationships if you aren't even aware of it in the first place? So awareness is the first step. Okay, guys, that is the end. I obviously do have a recommendation of the week. On when was it? Tuesday night, my aunties took me to a musical called And Juliet. And not going to lie, I am not really someone who would choose to go to something like that. I've 
just never really been interested in stuff like that. And I was like, yep, okay, we're going. Tried to keep an open mind about it. And oh my God, it was so fucking good. Like I'd actually go again. It was that good. It was obviously about Romeo and Juliet, but instead of the story finishing with Juliet killing herself, they like rewind it and she doesn't kill herself and then the story continues from there and then it's all about her life going forward. But it was so modern. It was so good. It was so inclusive. The music was so great. It was so funny. I was interacted the whole time. I wasn't bored and I absolutely loved it. So that's my recommendation of the week. And Juliet the Musical. It was in Melbourne. Sorry, most listeners, but I don't know if there are ones in different countries. But yeah, that was my recommendation for the week. And if you're still here, thank you so much for listening. I hope that kind of made sense about this is why we are the way that we are and why we do things and why we're attracted to certain things. It always comes back to childhood. I know I always say that, but yeah, it does. Thank you for listening. I hope you have a beautiful rest of the week wherever you are, whatever you're doing. If you're listening to this on a Friday, I will most likely be in the the middle of my breathwork course. This weekend, I am doing a three-day breathwork instructor course with Oxygen Advantage. I am so freaking excited and I will tell you guys all about it in the next episode. And yeah, if you could give me a rating and review and share this to anyone that you might think that they would benefit from it, definitely send it to them. Share this to your story and tag it to your socials. Leave us a rating and review. And remember, nothing changes if nothing changes.